And here we are for episode number two of Fortitude Fitness with Coach Sean Castro and Alan Reed. Hey guys. Alan, so, go ahead. Yeah, no, just because so who, who, who've you got in the fight, the UFC fight of the weekend? Uh, you know, like the guy out of Brazil, I, I think that he's probably going to smash it, but that's just my uh, less, less than knowledgeable position. So it's just uh, pure, pure opinion. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've no idea, man. But then they've got another big fight as well. So it's probably the biggest card in UFC history. They've got two big American fighters going head-to-head for the middleweight championship as well, which will be quite interesting. Uh, but I'm going to back Weidman, the guy from New York. I think he's going to I think he's going to win that. They're animals, dude. Animals, man. Wow. Talk, about, talk about fortitude. Talk about discipline. Oh, yeah, 100%. And the amount of work that goes into those guys and their lives and... Dude, it's it's incredible, man. I'll tell you what's interesting though. So uh, the Irish guy Conor McGregor, he's they've been doing these video blogs, and he's been training with a guy called Ido Portal, who's like a strength and well, not strength coach, sorry, like a movement coach. And it's been it's like he's been getting in like in his fitness sessions, he's been doing like parkour, you know, like parkour stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really weird to watch, but it'd be quite interesting to see if that helps his game. It looks really bizarre but you know he's doing all these things like on the beach like rolling around on his back and stuff but interesting different he'll, way of doing it he'll be elusive like a cat yeah well yeah <laughs> but, you do, but you've got to be strong like a bear as well oh. so it'll be quite interesting to see of course man do yeah you, do you know much about how they train uh yeah well i you know i've not i never really, i never competed or anything but i i kind of trained mma for about six well, about eight nine months so um yeah, I mean the top guys. I mean it's a lot of just functional training. What ab- what about their overall training program? Is it like more conditioning work, or is it more just like pure strength training? I, honestly, I think it depends fighter to fighter and mm. who what camp they're in. And you know, like you look at a guy like Brock Lesnar, he was you know he was lifting lots of heavy weights and things like that. You know, whereas you know someone like Conor McGregor seems to be doing a lot more movement stuff, but obviously they're different weight categories, so. It's like in wrestling. Like I, re- I wrestled, and you know, it's a different, it's a different style at the light, like the welterweights, the lighter weights, and like the you know average size heavyweights. Yeah, and technique and everything. You just don't move the same way. No, no. So I think that actually brings up a pretty interesting point. So you know, a lot of a lot of guys look at someone and they just assume, oh, that guy's big, so he's strong. But you know, the the truth is that you know, size doesn't always dictate strength. Like if someone has size, I think you probably agree with this, if someone has size, they probably have a decent amount of strength, but it's not always saying the same thing. It would, what do you, what do you think on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you, you, you look at, um, you know, just going back to the kind of MMA stuff, Chris Weidman, he's um, a middleweight. So I, I think he probably between fights walks around to probably 210 pounds. And cuts down. So he's still quite a big guy, and cuts down to about one eighty-five. But he's like an immensely strong guy, yeah. you know, immensely strong. Um, you know, probably just as strong as some of the heavyweights. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. It doesn't always carry over. I mean, my from my own experience of playing rugby, is you know, I, I, I I'm in the scrum, so I, you know, I'm basically the guy that puts his head where you don't want to put your head, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, the, I come up against guys way bigger than me to scrimmage against, but they're nowhere near as strong. And size is, you know, at the end of the day, particularly in sort of, um, you know, in combat sports, you don't want excessive weight that isn't doing anything. You know, fat is just something that, 
you know, you know, you don't want to be carrying extra weight around if it's not doing anything. Yeah. Especially in MMA. I mean, you've seen it before. There's been big heavyweights, guys like Shane, Car- Shane Carwin was a really good example who fought Brock Lesnar and he looked immense. He looked like, you know, his arms are huge and stuff, but he fought one round against Brock Lesnar destroyed Brock Lesnar for the round, but then came out for round two and he could barely stand up. He was so tired. So size isn't always, you know, being huge isn't always the best thing in a, in a contest like that. Yep. I definitely agree. But let's, let's talk today about the, actually not just the type of training or, you know, what's, what's a better style of training over another, but just what it, what the real secret is. And I think you see this as a coach too. And it's just the follow through, like actually just, doing the process mm. you know so for your for your average where, where's the similarities between like you know of like an athlete like a rugby player or a boxer and you know this the the same thought process or like underlying principles that even general population need to go through to lose fat what would you say they are um yeah definitely consistency and just you know becoming the best at a certain group of exercises so with my clients, I I very you know I, I don't really vary the exercise selection. There's probably about ten exercises that we do all the time. Sometimes I add in some other things, but you've got to get really good at the basics to begin with. And I, I learned massively when uh, this was probably about four or five years ago. I went to a gym in London and did like a it wasn't CrossFit, but it was like a kind of you know it was kind of functional training class or whatever. And the circuit went from doing atlas stones into burpees, into pull-ups, into uh, TRX, into kettlebell snatches, into another exercise. And it was just so complicated and so much skill level that had to be, you know, to do atlas stones when you're fatigued, you know, just, you know, and you've already done skipping and things like that. It just really made me think people aren't getting, you know, it looks cool. And it might really engage people for like the first couple of sessions, but actually these people probably aren't going to be getting an awful lot out of this long term, mm-hmm. because if they're, you know, one session you're teaching someone how to, you know, spend half an hour to do a kettlebell snatch, then the next week you're teaching them how to do a barbell snatch, the next week you're teaching them how to do an atlas stone overhead press, um, you know, all these different techniques, I, you know, and that's where my kind of, you know, I, I think CrossFit is good for many reasons, but that's where I think CrossFit kind of struggles as well is because there's so many different things that people have to learn how to do and get good at and and all that kind of stuff whereas you know that's why I love doing the kind of barbell and kettlebell training it's like right okay what we're going to get good at we're going to get good at holding a hinge position so we're going to be good at swings and deadlifts we're going to get good at pressing so we're going to be good at you know single arm kettlebell presses or double kettlebell presses um we're going to do rowing exercises whether that's with a bar you know um a kettlebells or a trx you know, and obviously squats, you know, there's, you know, there's probably about five or six kind of major exercises and then you can vary you know, have variations of those, but they're kind of the main fundamental part of the program. Um, also windmills, um, and planks as well, a huge part of what I do with clients. You know, you could turn up to a session. It sounds cool. Every session changing things up massively and saying, right, we're going to do overhead reverse kettlebell lunges. And it's like, well, if you've got a client who's pretty much starting from scratch, do they constantly need to be learning new exercises or are they better off getting really good at squats? Yeah. So and a lot that, of that's kind of a lot of, it, a lot of it is about a lot of it is about how the plans the plan is planned to match match the person. Absolutely, and that that's kind of what I you know that's kind of what I um you know that's what I love about kettlebell training and the kind of basic powerlifting training as well is 
you know, if you, you know, the, the powerlifting is a little bit different because you have to teach them the exercises first and get really, you know, competent um, with the regressions. But, you know, if I've got, um, you know, if I've got a male and a female client coming in, um, you know, who are both overweight, have never really exercised. Let's be honest, most people we meet who don't exercise have poor posture, pretty poor conditioning. Um, they probably, they may have like a sore lower back. Um, because they've, they've done no exercise at all. I've got weak hamstrings. So most people need to be doing a lot of postural work, a lot of core work, and a lot of posterior um, uh, chain strengthening movements mm. with conditioning. And that you know, and that's why I like kettlebells because it's like you know, swinging a kettlebell's conditioning in itself. You know, it can be strength and conditioning at the same time. It forces it. Forces a good pattern, as you are. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just posted a video. <laughs> oh but yeah, I almost oh. I almost died when I saw that. It was, it was so just so everyone listening knows. So basically, there's there's a right there's one one or there's one or two or three variations that are considered the right way to swing a kettlebell, and there's about a thousand different ways to not swing it right. And <laughs> yeah, <coughs> excuse me, yeah. but Alan posted this video where it was a group like a small group class, maybe ten people. And the instructor was teaching them how to swing the kettlebells, but unfortunately, it was one of the ways that are a thousand, one of the thousand ways to do it wrong. So it should be coming from. I think. Hips. I think. I think the way he was teaching it was every single one of those thousand ways <laughs> one, was in that swing, one rep at a time. And he wasn't even doing a good job at teaching the wrong ways. It was. Actually, yeah. He was actually suffering with that too. But oh. it was. It was terrible. You saw these people just like throwing their hips, you know, uh, all the way into the swing. And their back was just rounding out. They were throwing it. It was almost going overhead without control. It was crazy, but it was that's normal. Like you go, I think you seen you said it too before. You go into the gym, like most people are squat, squat, thrust, shoulder raising a kettlebell. You know, yeah, definitely hyperextending their back. Um, yeah, oh, it's just crazy. I mean, that, that I mean that's kind of you know we talked last time about um, you know um, sort of mindset and things like that, and that, that's where you know as as a coach. You know whether it's for my own training or whether you know to train my clients. I've been I've been a personal trainer for seven years now, and I'm on a constant journey to find out you know not necessarily new ways but improve on the on the things that I've learned. So I've done loads of different kettlebell qualifications. As we touched on last time, strength matters was one of the best. Um, well, it, it was probably the best uh, fitness qualification I've done. It was absolutely incredible. Can't wait for level two, but. You know, I, I'm I'm constantly looking to improve myself to coach people, and as I said, I I think in my area I'm one of the most experienced trainers. I I probably get the most results out of my clients because of the the way that I run my business with the transformations and stuff. See my clients regularly, and you know I, I there's you know as I said, there's about ten exercises that we do regularly. Every you know every week you're going to be doing your presses, your windmills. Everybody needs to be doing these exercises, prowler, and. Obviously, for different, um, you know, for different goals and for different, um, you know, for different people with different goals, different needs, and different abilities. Obviously, that you know that you know you slightly change it. So you know, you know, I might not get, you know, a deconditioned forty-five-year-old man with a history of back problems to do five minutes of uh, alternating arm single arm swings. You know, yep. he's probably not going to be able to do that. Whereas I might have a twenty-five-year-old girl who's been training with me for eight weeks already. He's got a really good shape. That might be me pushing her. Whereas the you know the, whereas the guy uh, that I was just talking about, I might literally have him doing four sets of fifteen swings for strength, but he's still going to get a sweat on and still improve his conditioning by doing it. Yeah, so a lot of it does you know, come down to obviously matching the right plan to the person. 
Yeah, so that, well, I mean, what, you know, I was I was in I was in a local gym the other day, man, and I saw a, a personal trainer taking a, a male client with this guy who was not he wasn't he wasn't obese or anything, but he had a bit of a stomach. Was probably about two stone overweight. So think of all the pressure going through his joints. This guy was having him doing like lateral bounding over a bench. <laughs> like you just think, what you know? First of all, the guy could easily just trip over the bench. It was just a completely pointless, useless exercise for this guy because he was barely he could barely stand on one leg. Like he could barely stand on one leg. So it was just completely pointless. And you just think, what you know? What's this? What's this dude getting out of it? Yeah. You know what, what? What's the end game here? What? What's the? What's the purpose of you know? What is it? Power you're looking to do? Swing a kettlebell. Swing a kettlebell, or do you know? You know, teach him how to squat and do some. You know, that'll improve your power. You don't need to be doing lateral jumps over a bench. You know, I mean, it's just single leg. It was just absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, yeah. man. But like, yeah, that's that's normal. Like, you go into most gyms and you will find that there's no yeah. mon- there's no monitoring, there's no filtering, there's no standards. It's just make that. Like most trainers that don't know what they're doing, they either train their clients like them, which is usually not good, or they just smash them. And they think, oh, they'll just keep coming back if I just smash them every time. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Like if you just taught that guy how to move well by stepping over the bench one leg at a time, that would be far superior. And he'd probably get a hell of a sweat going from what it sounds like just from that, you know? Yeah. So it's, so just, just from the start, like obviously their goal is important, but you know, matching them with a program that helps them do that. It's just like a lot of things in life. We always want to do something different or try to reinvent the wheel. Just take, take what we know works, you know, because yeah. so much has been done in so many areas of our lives, like, and just run that and fine tune that and get better at that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I just think as well, there's this whole kind of thing, you know, it has to be sexy training. It has to be new. It has to be, you know, what, what I, I personally as a coach get huge satisfaction. So I had a client of mine, um she's been training with me for about eight months now came in having never really done any exercise she's done amazingly well um you know really got on board with the nutrition had a complete lifestyle change lost loads of weight and fitness wise her fitness is through the roof now and the other day we slowly kind of got there you know there's few mobility issues that we worked on over the months and all of a sudden on uh i think it was monday or tuesday 50 kilo squat which 50 kilos is probably about 100 10 pounds or something yeah for, for seven you know that and it was all of a sudden we just like right we've got there now you know we've got to a point where we can barbell back squat good mobility and then we're going and then that was it the weight's gone within about the space of about three weeks it's gone from just the bar to 30 kilos up to 50 kilos for seven and it's because it's just like right we need to take our time and and you've got to just explain to people properly you know okay why can't i do that yet you just have to tell people, you just got to be honest with people and say you're not in a position yet where we can back squat. But if you keep working on all the things that we're trying to work on, all the little exercises that we're doing here and there to improve your squat, one day it's going to pay off. And that's what you just need to do is you just need to be the authority and get people to believe in you and believe in the process. Because, I mean, how often do you go into a gym and see somebody who has no right to have a bar in their back, never mind weights on the bar, doing squats yep. and the trainer going, good job, good job. You know, well done. You've hit lifted seventy today. It's like no, you haven't. You know, you've not squatted it. You've had seventy on your back, and you've done some sort of weird movement. <laughs> but uh, you know, but that, that, but that's where I think keeping keeping you know a small group of exercise. And like I said again, that's why I kind of really love the kind of strength matters approach of just like let's keep it simple, not overthink it, 
let's do some mobility, let's swing kettlebells, do squats, do our presses, do our rows, um, you know, all those kind of things. And from there, we're then going to get a strong, sound body that's going to be able to start lifting heavy weights. Yeah. And you, you need that foundation. And if I had, you know, if I had this client that I was just talking about, you know, if we'd constantly be doing all these different exercises, I started getting to doing, um, you know, burpee over bar and teaching how to do double unders and teaching how to do band assisted kipping pull-ups and you know all this kind of weird stuff where we're learning something new every different session i don't think we'd now be at the point where she's squatting 50 kilos for seven because we we wouldn't have done enough work i had enough time done getting that you know getting ready for that yep and she probably would have been injured and would yeah yeah and and, yeah the results wouldn't have been the same as absolutely yep so let's start by just going off let's just assume someone has the right plan for their goals okay yeah now let's just say the same plan fits their schedule their lifestyle you know like Mm -hmm. some guy's trying to pack on muscle he's a hard gainer and he's willing to put in the time to you know a split routine hitting it four or five days a week how i just want to share and i'm sure you have you have the same idea behind it too but how, how does that person fall through? Because you know it's not short-term gains. It's long-term gratification. You know, it's delayed gratification. So what, yeah. like what I find to be the two most powerful things, like when, especially since I help women lose weight primarily, is they get really hard on themselves because they're not seeing it. So what I find and what I say is, you know, you need an internal reason and an external reason. So like when they do meet when they meet with me for the first time it, it gets pretty emotional usually because I get them to open up and be honest as to why the heck they're taking time to start exercising you know they yeah. don't feel good they don't feel like they that that anything's worked they feel stuck in a rut you know there's a lot of things behind that but opening up and finding their why and then I always say this is only going to hold you so long and keep you motivated for a short period of time so realistically you need external motivation like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser, so I don't want to let other people down. So if I if I make a promise to show up or do something with someone else or share something with else someone else, like when I did my bodybuilding comp, I shared it every week because I knew that I didn't want to let other people down because I was their inspiration, you know. Yeah. So what do you what do you think? What do you what are some of the principles with that or outside of that that you think help people fall through? Because that's the real secret. I, th- I think I think the accountability is massive. Um, you know, whether it's having you know a, a coach or some a new client. Or, am I getting a bit of feedback on the line there? No, you're good. Am I good? Okay. I think I think whether you're getting a coach involved or whether you're training with a new part, you know, a, a new training partner. I think that's massively important. Taking before and after photos is huge, hugely important, and just setting yourself and not not being too short term saying right i want to get in great shape over the next year yeah i think that so one of one of the guys i trained one of my buddies lloyd i'll share his before and after photo it took about a year but he all he did was strength training it was just strength training and conditioning there was no hypertrophy training anything like that um and you'll, you'll see the before and after photo and it's absolutely incredible you know he's packed on it he packed on a load of muscle looked far more athletic far more powerful far fitter and just doing the simple things, having someone to hold you accountable is massive. Yeah. How do you, how do you take someone like that? Cause there's a lot of guys out there listening to this that they're not going to hit it six days a week. You know, they're going to maybe get three sessions in and they're going to be, you know, pretty good sessions cause they're probably just getting started again. But how, what's the overall, what's the overall kind of thing 
that helps people follow through because a lot of people they want to have a couple beers in the week and stuff. You know, what do you find to work well for all the all the guys and, and the ladies that you train to balance? Yeah, it's it's definitely a balance, but I think what what's really important is is as I said, just thinking long term about it. You know, it's you know, it's, it's as as gym owners, it's great to post up a photo and say, "Oh, look at you know, look at this lady who's lost twenty five pounds in the first six weeks of training or something." That's great. But realistically, we'd rather have somebody who's lost 50 pounds in a year, right? Yeah. And I think it's just, that's where as being a coach or having someone held, holding you accountable is so important. So as a coach, like I was just saying, that's where you make yourself the authority. You make people believe in you. And that's massively important. And I think, you know, with, so with Lloyd, I think he was quite happy to kind of go with what I was saying because I'd competed in powerlifting and he knew I was strong. Yeah. Um, so it was like no real issue there. He was like, "Yeah, this this dude knows what he's talking about." <laughs> so, um, but that, that's where you just got to be. You know, you just got to get people to believe in it and buy into it and say, "Look, we're not gonna. I'm not selling you four personal training sessions, or we're not gonna buy a gym membership for a month and just think this is gonna happen overnight." It's like, right, okay, we're gonna meet. You know, we're gonna take a photo again. We're gonna keep regular photos going. But we're gonna have a final photo in nine months' time, and I want to be in great shape. And anybody can get in good shape in nine months. Yep. They just got to have that commitment and accountability. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you're never going to drink alcohol again or anything like that. There's a time and a place for having a few beers. You know, I'm coming over to visit you, which will be awesome. Next week, we're going to go out into D.C. And I'm sure we're going to have a couple of beers, right? At least a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah. But that, there's a time and a place for that, you know. And it'll be great to catch up. I've not seen you in person it'll be about six or seven months by that point yeah it'd be great for us to actually have a few beers together and things like that but what what from my own point of view what's important is on a monday night making sure my clients aren't having a chocolate bar while watching tv or having a glass of wine with their evening meal that's the kind of stuff that we want to take out of the diet that's re the really important part and what i say to people is there's nothing wrong with having a Chinese with your family or going out for a few beers, you know, if you're going out to watch the football or the rugby with your mates, but make it a social thing, you know, make it social, it's fine. You know, Thanksgiving dinner or um, Christmas Day or Super Bowl, have a couple of beers. That's what those days are there for. That's what everybody enjoys. It's a huge social event. That's great. But what we want to avoid is Wednesday night watching, you know, Britain's Got Talent or X Factor or something and having a beer watching that that's what we want to try and avoid right it's just a waste it's, yeah it's just a waste you see, you're not getting anything out of it it's no real it's not changing your evening is it no nah. so that, that's that's why my bit of advice is just you know pick what you know pick your times when you want to have a few drinks because at the end of the day if we're if you're following the simple training patterns that we've talked about loads of times you know in the last podcast in this podcast you know, I keep going on just the simple basic movements. If you're doing that and you're working out pretty hard three times a week, you're getting some conditioning in as well. You're eating the right things most of the time. And one night a week, you have four or five beers with your mates watching some sport. You're going to be in good shape. Yep. You're going to stay pretty lean. Yeah. You're not, you know, you know, and if, if you're, if you ever got to a point where you thought, do you know what? I want to, you know, I want to look cover model good or I want to do a, sh you know, do a competition like you did or, you know, whatever then okay, that might be when you think, right, 12 weeks, no booze. Yep. That's what I kind of suggest. What do you, what do you say to someone that's like, oh, I want to get ripped and you know, keep a six-pack? How, what do, you, what do you recommend? Sorry, what, what, sorry, what's the question? When someone comes to you and says, dude, I want to I wanna get a ripped six-pack and I want to keep it, how, but I still want to have fun, how do I do that? 
I think that's just where you have the conversation we just had. I think we say, look, you know, you want to be in great shape. We've got to get there first. Um, you know, we've got to get in really good shape first. But you know, if you, you know, as you know yourself, once you get really lean, your body adapts and it, you know, adapts to that, and it's, you know, it's it's really good then at staying lean. So you know, having the odd beer when you're ten percent body fat isn't going to turn you into an offensive lineman overnight, right? <laughs> And that's where that's where you just got to be. That's where you just got to be realistic and not overthink about it too much. Just think, right, ninety five percent of my meals are healthy, good quality food, putting the right things in my body. I'm training hard three or four times a week, and I'm only drinking one night a week or once every ten days or whatever it is. As I said, you're not going to lose your sick pack if you're doing that. Yeah, it's when it becomes four nights a week. You're having a couple of beers. You're having a curry, and you're you know doing all these different things, <laughs> and you're going to cinema and having popcorn twice. That's when it. That's when you know that's you're gonna lose it. But if you, you know if you're keeping it, you know keeping sensible, you're not gonna lose that. All the shit habits come back in. Yeah, and the thing is, realistically, if you you know if you try to stay on a kind of a diet forever and try to stay really strict with your nutrition forever, they're the guys that don't keep the six pack, right? Yeah. You're not gonna stay sane. You're gonna end up having a big blowout and completely messing the whole thing up. You know that's, what I, that's my advice. That's my that's my experience with clients anyway. You know what I find to work really well for me, just per, just personally, is I'll from the food prep side, I don't like to prep like all my meals. I I just don't enjoy it. So I'll make one protein heavy meal. Like I'll have like a turkey crock pot or you know a chicken crock pot. I usually just use a crock pot because it saves you time. And yeah. that'll be my like my primary meal. Then I'll have my eggs. I'll have obviously my protein shakes and I'll, I'll basically piece together all the things that I know will help me stay lean and healthy and help me reach my goals. And then I'll hit my macros pretty much five days through the week. And then Saturday I'll, 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 I know what my food's worth. Cause I eat it, you know, I eat the similar things every day. So I won't track Saturday. I'll, I'll usually have just, you know, a, a meal that I want to flex whatever I want on Saturday night and then a couple drinks usually. And that dude, that works so well. Like if I'm trying to maintain, you know, and, and that's just like one example, but like at some point, I think everyone should, should track macros just to, just to see and learn and understand. Cause a lot of people, when I first get them to track, they'll like be like, wow, I was overeating by 2000 calories or I was under eating by a thousand calories, you know? So it's not something that everyone needs to do for the rest of their life, but it's real interesting when someone does track it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I get, you know, I think it just depends on, on the, the client as well. You know, I think it's, it's where wherever you're at in the nutrition and on your journey of your weight loss goal or your, your fitness goal. So I kind of tend to bring macro counting in about six weeks into a plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got someone in day one, you know, you're telling them to cut, you know, cut the crap out of their diet and exercise. For some people, that is just so difficult to start with as it is. And I think, you know, trying to then get them to record their food and everything like that. That's why I like to give people just a minimalist diet at the beginning, just really simple. Um, get them to follow that because there's no ifs or buts. There's no questions about it. It's just that this is the food you're eating. You're going to come train with me four times a week. That's what we're going to do for the first two weeks. Yep. And I think that just, it just simplifies everything. You know, you don't want, you know, you don't want to make it complicated or confusing or anything like that when people are really finding it tough to, uh, you know, get in shape. To just eat right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, every, every one of my clients, I start them off with just cleaning up their diet. Like I think I told yeah. you, I, I basically, you know, encourage them to 
do the whole 30 or some type of paleo, something close to that. And we give them a ton of recipes because then, you know, my market, much like yours, like the, the moms, 40 to 50 or so, they just want something simple that doesn't kill them and stress them out, you know? Yeah. And a few, dude, a few of them have done, have, have successfully tracked their calories yeah, yeah. before and they'll just jump right back into it without me telling them. And it just, oh man, it's awesome. Cause then, then they're eating right and they're tracking without me having to be, you know, stress them out about it. So it's pretty cool to see that, but it just, it just depends on the person, you know? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I, I think, I think, yeah, it gets to a point where it's, um, I think it gets to a point where you may need to start doing that. You know, if they start to maybe plateau and you think, okay, right, cool. This is where we need to up our game a little bit here. But you know, mo- most people, if you get somebody coming to, to you, that's, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, sat there listening to this and say you're um, 30 pounds overweight and your kind of goal for 2016 is to lose 30 pounds, the three things um, that you should do would be, obviously to have somebody hold you accountable so whether it's a family member or a friend just say make sure i go to the gym three or four times a week Mm. do some exercise just cut all the processed stuff out of your nutrition just cut it all out of the nutrition cut all the all the kind of rubbish any coke any subways you know anything like that just have raw healthy food that you're cooking from scratch and um and then just make sure that you're going to the gym and doing high intensity exercise four times a week I mean, if you if you're doing that and you do that for the first three months of 2016, and you then you know really get into the habit of doing it, you'll lose that 30 pounds. Yep. On top of that, I I I'd, I'd encourage everyone listening to this, take that same exact thing and you hire someone, take someone on as your coach or your mentor, and it's going to radically change the results that you get. Because not only will you have that confidence, that peace of mind, that support, but also that external accountability is going to be created because you, you don't, the last thing you want to do is turn up to your training sessions because you'll know if you didn't fall through all the other hours of the week, you know, like that's, that's why people take us on just not only because of our knowledge, but because of the influence and in, in the accountability. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, this uh, I think wraps up. I hope, I hope those last few tips gave all of our fellows listening some idea of where to go next with their, training and uh we should have we'll have our website up shortly but i i put together a short video series educating you on what to do as far as training nutrition just to get started and uh alan and i have uh, a couple workout programs we could send your way so feel free to message us if uh you are looking for any of that 100 percent. yep next so- oh next week we'll we'll be together and yep. uh, bright and early, we're going to be connecting with a guy named Alan Carson out of the UK. Alan Carson is a very successful bodybuilder, and the dude is fucking ripped. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in good shape. So, and he's uh, he's recently a dad, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see and hear his journey, his perspective. You know, he's had his ups and downs, even even when he did get fit, which uh, we'll talk about with him. So it's going to be cool because I'm sure he has a pretty down to earth you know, approach to nutrition and training because he's not, he's not a Brody builder. He's a bodybuilder. So, yeah. So it should be good, man. And yeah, Alan, that'd be awesome. And we're looking also to get an, well, a rugby world cup winner of rugby sevens, a guy that I used to play rugby with Craig Hill. He'll be on the podcast within hopefully before Christmas. So they'll be good to kind of speak to someone who's played professional sports, professional rugby and the mindset, you know, it, because you know, we'll talk to him a lot about fitness. He's trained at my gym in the past, and he's a really fit guy. But also, it'd be great to kind of 
um, get into the kind of mindset of what it takes to win a to win a World Cup because he won the World Cup sevens with Wales and they weren't by any stretch the favourites to win that world title. He went on, they went on and won it, you know, and, you know, I'm sure people in America kind of have a little bit of knowledge about rugby, but, you know, New Zealand are the team to beat in rugby um, and, you know, to go to go out and beat teams like New Zealand, Australia and South Africa is really big, really, really big. So it'd be cool to speak to him and kind of find out what the kind of mindset you need to become a world champion. Yep. This week, man. So yeah. we'll sign off now and we'll see you next week, guys.